Hello everyone. It's nice to be able to answer some questions that you sent in. Thank you for doing so. I really appreciate it. This is Alan Bolio, ITR Economics. And as a follow-up to the presentation that we did, um, someone asked about home prices stating they're inflated. Absolutely true. And it stated bidding wars ensue. They certainly are. Is money cheap enough, the question is, to offset the high prices and questionable long-term ability to maintain the value? That's a math problem, depending on how high prices are going in your area for the property that you're talking about. You have to work the math out on that. But today's interest rates are so low, I'll give you a general answer as yes, but please take it as a general answer because again, it's a spreadsheet thing. If interest rates go up uh, from 3% to 4% while you wait and prices plateau, obviously you're not better off. Prices go up to 4%, but they come down $25,000. Work the math. See if that's worth it over the life of the mortgage. Chances are it's not. Um, so as far as maintaining the value, yeah, we're, we're going to head into a, again, all real estate's local, so I can't speak specifically to the neighborhood, to the city, to the county that you're in, and all the rest of that. But overall, yes, uh, you'll see fluctuations, of course, but I think more than anything, you will see ascending troughs, ascending peaks as we go through uh, this decade. All right, I hope that helps you and good luck with that home. And uh, basically, now's a good time to buy. Uh, next question, what are our thoughts on altcoins such as Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and Ethereum? Uh, do we see these being added to balance sheets and as a payment system by customers for products or services? Perhaps would be the answer. We discussed this a lot here at ITR. There are still serious negatives that are not being contemplated. Uh, you mentioned balance sheets. How would you put that on a balance sheet? A current market value gap would, would probably have a hard time dealing with that. Generally accepted accounting principles. Um, and as far as accepting payment, uh, that's their goal is to make it a currency, but you run the risk of, when you say eventually, um, you run the risk of central governments, not just ours going, no, 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 we control the money supply, thank you very much. And we need to control it, not only in terms of its value, but we need to control it in terms of its quantity. We need to control it in terms of its use, uh, illegal, you know, we, we gotta watch out for money laundering which they can to some extent with uh, cryptocurrencies, but it is more difficult than through banking systems and, and other in-place mechanisms. Now, you didn't ask this, but let me just add to this. When you read that China has a cryptocurrency, uh, they do not. It's a digital currency. There is a world of difference. Turkey, it's a digital currency. Russia and Canada are, let's say, experimenting, working on developing a digital currency, not a cryptocurrency. The media just doesn't know the difference between the two. And uh, you'll see probably eventually a central bank digitized currency, CBDC, uh, here in the United States. That's entirely different than what you're asking about altcoins and blockchain technology. I can't see a central government wanting to use something with blockchain technology that spreads around the world. At that point, you've basically given up most of the control. Will you see it someday, Greg? If you're a lot younger than me, you'll probably see a lot more of it if it's not outlawed entirely. Next question, Tim, you asked, in your oil and gas forecast, do we factor in transportation and pipeline issues? Well, we don't have a, a model that, that has a line item for transportation and pipeline issues, but 
issues in those two areas show up in trends. They show up in the rates of change. They show up in year-over-year uh, -year comparisons. And, and so they are factored in, but I didn't want you to think it was a model that we use that says, all right, we're gonna put in 60% uh, uh, pipeline uh, uh, usage utilization. It doesn't work that way. We seem to have more impacts in that area. Yes, we do, which will create opportunities for some as they work to uh, fix the areas in transportation. Keystone pipeline is a pipeline issue that won't be fixed, but that just means that uh, product will be moving in other ways. And that leads to the uh, question that somebody had, Tony, about freight trends. It sounds like truck shortages will resolve. And to that point, I certainly agree with you, Tony. I think that is a very positive thing and we can look forward to that. But driver shortages continue to be a risk. Um, I know that was a statement, not a question, but let me opine on that. Yes, but have you noticed that in the trucking industry, some significant pricing uh, pay increases are, are being, passed, uh, being given to the drivers to attract more people? And how uh, even the long haul you know, you're home every three or four days and uh, others advertise you're home every night. So I think we're gonna find that the trucking industry will effectively attract labor as their wages go up. They'll attract people from construction. They'll attract people from distribution. They may even attract some people from the lower skilled manufacturing areas. So I wouldn't count that out. It's, it's, it's supply and demand. And if you want the supply to be there, you have to pay them. You certainly have the demand side, but you have to in incentivize them to leave what they're doing. And that has not been tested yet to any great extent in trucking. Let's see how that plays out. But the real question that uh, you have is, how do we see autonomous vehicles as part of our supply chain over the next 10 to 20 years? Slow development, slow rollout would be the answer to that. I think you're gonna find that the, it's one of those areas where technology can be ahead of infrastructure, where technology can be ahead of society. Uh, how do you deal with it if uh, you have an autonomous vehicle that is programmed to not hurt anybody? That just makes it subject to hijacking uh, real easily. So if you gotta send along a guard on an autonomous vehicle, um, okay. Or if you send along somebody who's only there to drive it when it gets difficult, okay. But you still have a labor cost involved. I think there are some real issues to be worked out here. Not to mention, if you end up with a few deaths along the way from autonomous vehicles where something goes wrong or it's hijacked and the code is overwritten, overwritten, uh, ridden, excuse me, and it's driven off or it's used to commit crimes. I mean, there's a lot here, my friend, that has yet to be decided. Um, there are articles out all over the place. Some say this will replace all drivers and some say this will take so long to replace drivers uh, we'll barely see it coming for quite a while. Sort of a vague answer, I guess, my friend, but uh, best I can do on a pretty much an unknown. Uh, Lex asks, we have super low cost for money. And boy, I agree with that. That's so true. The question is, when do we think that will notable, notably begin to change? Um, we think that will notably begin to change, and it's the word notably I'm stumbling over. You're gonna perhaps see late 22, let's even call it second half 22, you could see the Federal Reserve uh, push up Fed funds rate 25 basis points. I would not call that notable. 23, 
2023, you're likely to see more rise. You may call that more noticeable as we add another 25, 50 basis points. It's all going to depend upon inflation. If the Federal Reserve Board is right, then there are no inflationary pressures through the near term. No real reason to uh, plan on interest rate rise any sooner than late 22. If Janet Yellen is right, then there are inflationary pressures on our doorstep. Uh, here's a longer term answer than you probably wanted to. Uh, we do our own forecasts, and yes, we're going to see the consumer price index move up here in the next few months because of all the producer price indices. And in the third quarter, there'll be uh, increased prices pushed through to the consumer, all kinds of consumer uh, durable and non-durable goods, and that'll show up in the CPI. We think it'll move up to about 3.6%, which will not necessarily cause the Fed to jump because they use an average. The old Fed used to use a tripwire. It got about 2.5 interest rates went up. Now the thought process is it's an average through time. So if it goes up to 3.6, it'll be on heightened alert. We think it'll begin to come back down rather quickly. And as it comes back down on the other side, they go, now we're still maintaining our average. Uh, we're good. And we don't need to push up interest rates. The press is all over how investors are afraid of inflation. The bond market doesn't really show that. I, they are... Very good in the press of, of kind of spinning a story so that you read it, but uh, my brother Brian just did the analysis of bond yields and we're just back to pre-pandemic levels. We were not worried about a lot of inflation back then. We did not see the bond market saying, oh my gosh, there's so much inflation coming, we better get more return. We simply have gone back to, it's an interesting word, it's called normal. You got a good, good move in front of you folks. Uh, Border States has got a nice run. And uh, we touched upon the different segments. And I think personally, you should invest. And personally, you should buy. Personally, you should plan on being busier. And personally, stay tuned. You know how through our website. Uh, we, we've known Border States for a long time. You've known us. And we will uh, let you know if there's some uh, players that we need to send up to warn you about what's coming. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. I hope you have a great one.